Drive with Goodman and Mason. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can listen 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products, Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you want wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Black Betty. Black Betty. That's a great song. That's, that's a very underrated song. Time now for the buzz. Wham-ba-lam, bam-ba-lam, Black Betty. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have nearly 155 star reviews? No one has better service and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Okay, so if you uh, didn't get a chance to check out the Denver Post this morning, our friend Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Broncos, wrote a terrific inside story to what Drew Locke has been doing during the offseason. He got together with Peyton Manning. I'll just read you the first paragraph of Ryan's story. It started with a phone call. Hey, I have a pretty good film set up at my house if you want to come over and talk some ball, Peyton Manning told Drew Locke. And with that, Broncos quarterbacks, former and current, met twice earlier this offseason for a combined nine to ten hours, and it wasn't idle chit-chat. It was all about quarterback play reading defenses, route progressions, off-season, in-season routines, and leadership. Ryan, if you ever write a children's book, I'll be more than happy to go to Tattered Cover and read it for you. I appreciate that. Good joy, fellas. Nice to have you on. So how much better do you think Locke can be with these uh, private tutoring sessions? Um, I think he's being one of the other cynical answers. Well, it can't hurt. and uh, But... I think a key part of that from what Peyton said was he likes Locke's approach. And so I think this offseason for Drew is he needed some affirmation. Okay, I know I do this, this, and this bad. What am I doing right? What can I build on? And I think Manny was sort of pointing to the process of, you know, there are no days off as a quarterback in this league, even in the offseason. And, uh, and, you know, they watched some of Peyton's old tape. They watched some of Drew's tape, asked a lot of questions, answered a lot of questions. So, I mean, 10 hours, you know, that's a long time. And that means, I, I mean, you want to be a fly on the wall of those two meetings. But, um, I mean, a couple of players had squawked this offseason about them working extensively together. Well, it wasn't that. It was uh, two sessions. But I think, uh, as Locke said, he's uh, pretty grateful for it. Now, the kind of the key is it's, it's one thing to kind of learn it from Peyton Manning. It's another putting it into practice. How well do you think Drew is going to do kind of taking what he's absorbed and actually putting it into practice when he's 11 on 11 and he's, he, he's in a live situation and he's got a defense bearing down on him? Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be the key. You know, I think what's going to help Locke is he's in the same offense for the first time, I think, as junior, senior year at Missouri, maybe even before then with Josh Heupel. So I think, I think when, when, when those two guys are watching Drew's 2020 tape, they can push it, they can spin it forward and say, okay, when Pat Schirmer calls this play again, when you get this look again against this formation, uh, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you should have done last year. I think that's the key part. You know, instead of having to learn a new offense on the fly again. And uh, so I think that's, that's going to be crucial for Drew is take all the information he's gathered in the offseason through all different, all different avenues and put it on the field and win this job. 
We're talking with Ryan O'Halloran, wrote a terrific article on what Drew Locke did this summer, or I should say this offseason with Peyton Manning, nine to ten hours of uh, not idle chit-chat, but uh, going over film. Uh, I want to reference more of that article. I'm very much paraphrasing here, and I want to touch on to something that you just said, so I'll just piggyback off of it. Uh, Manning essentially said, listen, I'm not going to make excuses for Drew Locke and how he played, but he said, I had an advantage of playing with the same offensive coordinator for over a decade. Tom Brady uh, has been in the same system or had been in the same system for a long time. That's not the case with Drew Locke. Are these legitimate excuses or not? I 100%. Uh, firing Rich Gangrello after the 2019 season was a mistake, period. Um, Drew Locke finished that season 4-1. He was drafted with that offense in mind. Now you've changed coordinators. You have to learn a new offense virtually. And, you know, as Peyton said in the story, Pat Shermer and Drew Locke didn't have their first significant meeting until August. He said, that's insane, which it was. So um, you couldn't foresee a pandemic shutting down the offseason. But it, uh, to me, it felt like a little bit of a square peg in a round hole with Locke and Shermer early on in the season. Maybe they ironed some things out later in the year. But, but Manning's point is valid. He played, he, his, Tom Moore was a play caller 13 years in Indianapolis. Tom Brady had several play callers in New England, but it was the same same philosophy, same system. And things didn't get going in Tampa last year until Bruce Arians went to Tom Brady and says, what do you want to run? So they screwed up the first half of the season, the Bucks. So I think that's 100% legitimate. Now, there was something interesting that Drew said yesterday as well, where he, he uh, in the midst of his press conference, he said, quote, some of the plays we were running, we got a couple of reps in practice, maybe one in training camp, and it was all of us out there the first time running it on a Sunday, unquote. So... Why, you know, knowing if you're Pat Shermer, knowing uh, that you've got a young quarterback, why would you do that? Why would you run something on Sunday that you had such limited practice time with? Yeah, in a couple of those weeks, if I'm not mistaken, they had a couple, they had a practice called off because mm-hmm. they had a testing scare, women to the walkthroughs. But you're right, is, you know, those plays, you know, you don't call a play on Sunday if you haven't repped it Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. <clears throat> you know, so I, I wonder what the what the you know total story is there. But I think Drew's point is is good that they had to run through that playbook in August last year. So they may they may have gotten to week one or two, and a play was in the game plan, and they'd run it maybe twice the previous month in training camp. So they and there's not a lot of time to do it five, six, seven times during the week. So. I think once you, you know, the fact that you have a normal offseason is going to help not only Locke, but all these younger guys on offense who had the same learning curve last year. Uh, you just said, and I don't disagree with you, it was a mistake to fire Scangarello because he and Locke were working well together. So I'll put you on the spot. If you had a choice, who would you rather have? Which duo do you want? Do you want Locke and Scangarello for this season or Bridgewater and Shermer? Um, I, I would I would say Locke and Scangarello if they were together last year. If they're entering year three, right. then that'd make a lot of a lot of difference. I think Nick Fangio, he's looking at it. He's a defensive head coach. He's looking at those first three opponents, saying, "Hey, your defense is going to be able to stop that offense." You want a game manager. You want a guy who's not going to be over aggressive with the football. To me, that means Teddy Bridgewater. With Pat Shermer as your play caller early season, oh, you know, but I think it should be, I think it should be a, a real true competition. If Drew Locke is better, he deserves to start week one. What do you think that Drew Locke needs to do once they get in team periods to show uh, that he's 
more than Teddy Bridgewater because we got, obviously we have a good idea uh, of from Teddy's career what he can do. What does Drew Locke need to show that he's that he's been missing that would secure the bag and get him the job? Well, it, turnovers is one. I mean, I plugged him last year. It's tied for the league in interceptions with 15. You know, a couple train wreck plays. You know, Teddy's going to be the guy who's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh, and that's how he's going to win. Drew obviously has a bigger arm, probably a better physical skill set at this point of his career. And so what Drew is, don't try to be a hero. That means don't get hurt. Because scramble against San Francisco two years ago, got hurt. Scramble against Pittsburgh last year, got hurt. So stay available is number one. But I think putting his guys in position to make plays, getting him and Judy on the same page, getting Sutton back. Um, yeah, I think the familiarity with the system and the talent around him, that certainly showed yesterday. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm guessing you saw the interview on ESPN last night, or at the very least read about it. Uh, as we are getting closer to June 2nd, and if the Packers are going to deal him, that's around the time it's going to happen. What are you hearing about the uh, Packers and Aaron Rodgers making nice-nice? And what are you hearing about the Broncos' interest and what they would likely have to offer? Well, I don't think they're playing nice-nice after their last night's interview because that was as passive-aggressive as you can get referring to them as people and not <laughs> mentioning anybody by name. Um, I don't think June 2nd is a, is a big date. Uh, I think the first day of training camp is, uh, so late July, when that's fifty grand a day, and you say Aaron Rodgers making $20 million. Well, that starts to add up, and if you miss a preseason game, you get fined the equivalent of a game check. So... And, you can, and, and in the CBA, let's say he reports to training camp, they cannot take back those fines. They have to be administered. So that's when he starts losing a ton of money. I mean, are, you, are, we, are they going to run into a Carson Palmer situation where he basically says, not showing up, demanding a trade? They traded him in week six or seven to Oakland a couple, uh, what, about a decade ago. So um, I think if anything, uh, I, think, I think a status quo until the training camp, if I'm George Payton, the Broncos GM, I got my offer ready. I've made a call and say, hey, if you make them available, call me. If my offer is going to be so dang good, you're not going to call anybody else. What do you think that and offer think, might be? Um, I think it starts with two first-round picks. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it includes Jerry Judy. Uh, that's who I would put in there. I would not include Bradley Chubb because he's going to be your best pass rusher for the next five, six years. What if you have so to include him uh, to make it happen? Would you do it? Uh, I would probably still pull a trigger, but yeah. you'd also want something back besides Rodgers in terms of uh, you know some swapping of draft picks and something like that. So I don't think it's going to be three first-round picks. I don't think that, that trade is going to be out there. And here's the thing about the Packers. There's not going to be a lot of suitors. Yep. Cross mm-hmm. off the entire NFC and cross off in the AFC everybody but maybe Miami, Las Vegas, and the Broncos. Right. Um, so that's going to... That's gonna that's gonna whittle down your offer just a little bit. What do you think Green Bay's reaction was watching that interview last night? And we did a segment earlier in the show. We kind of dove into the wedding crashers scene that he cited, and I mean, basically, that scene is literally about mediating in a divorce and convincing both parties that it's time to just move on. Yeah, I mean, both sides are dug in, and. Um, on the Packers, nothing at this point surprised me about, about Rodgers because they've tried to mediate. They've tried to you know, get on the same page with multiple teams in California and meeting with him, coach, executives, GMs, etc. And he's uh, not interested in that. So um, I, I think him giving that uh, interview last night 
was just another reason to believe that this this is uh, this relationship is broken beyond repair, and the Broncos better be ready to uh, swoop in. Hey, Ryan, thanks for your time. Terrific article. Once again, if you haven't read it, go to denverpost.com or just you know put the paper in your hands, <laughs> and you can read about It'll how— It'll be in tomorrow's paper. Is it in tomorrow's paper? Yeah, because it went online tomorrow's this paper. morning about 11 o'clock, right? Right, Ryan? Yeah. Ryan. As, we, as, as we were waiting for the uh, Zooms to start— yeah, the hour. Yeah, okay, the three media guys talking. How much of a waste of time was that? Well, the only positive is I was able to, I was able to jump on the avalanche zoom while waiting for the Broncos zoom. Oh, that's so. efficient, right? Because you, because you're like an Avs guy now. You and Chambers. Yeah, yeah. So uh, best team in town, and uh, looking forward to covering them too. We should have asked you about the about the Avs and what they're doing right now. I mean, that's that was a missed opportunity on our part. Well, well, we'll ask you right if now. They play, if, they, if they play Vegas, the winner, the winner, unless they're totally beat up by the end of that series, is going to win the cup. You would think? Um, mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm if I'm the ads, I want Vegas, Minnesota, go seven games and play four overtimes in Game Seven. <laughs> what, what a what a gift! What a gift last night's game was, wasn't it? With the Wild and the, yeah. and the Knights. It was because you're now you're adding what seven hours of travel time yep. and an extra game to the Knights load. Yeah. Hey Ryan, thanks so much for your time, buddy. Thanks, Ryan. All right, take care, fellas. Thanks. See you, man. Coming up after the break, Sports Illustrated's Connor Orr was talking about Julio Jones, most likely landing spot, where he might go if that likely landing spot isn't that landing spot. I got to tell you something. I've said this before. A lot of really good national writers out there, a lot of them, and a lot of them don't know what the hell they're talking about on a local level like we do. Sorry, Connor. What you wrote is crap, and we're going to talk about your article next. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye, Rose. Queen of-